Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome. This is the Joey Clark Radio Hour. My musical theme for the night is funky songs with badass guitar solos. Oh, and it's coming up 84. He's in Troy's stead. Troy's out sick. Well, but here it comes. Funky song with crazy guitar solo. Dirty, dirty song, Maroon 5. You dirty-minded fool, Adam Levine. Playing that guitar like a fool. Singing about kiwis. But not at the actual fruit. Ah, oh, what a weekend. I feel like somebody beat me up. Can, Moving? Can you can you move today? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I actually, like, cardio-wise, not an issue. I'm just, I'm just not used to lifting, like, a 200-pound desk. <laughs> Even with somebody's help. I hate moving, and actually, the last experience I had would if I if I said Baron's name, you would know who I was talking about. Yeah, but I'm I'm not gonna out the guy. Right, and I was helping him move his. If I said his partner's name, Jack, right, you would know who I probably was talking no, about. I mean, you have to be discreet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't I don't do stuff. I don't out right. people on the radio. Be discreet. Don't out Jack or Baron. And. Uh, but we moved, I'm telling you, the desk that we moved, if it weighed a pound, it weighed nine million pounds. Oof. Yeah, we've got this one old school desk that has to be 200, um, and we're actually using it as an entertainment unit. It works better than the old entertainment unit we are using. And it's just, oh, it was miserable. That was the heaviest thing. My dresser was pretty hefty, too. Yeah. And we tried to take the drawers out. It's one of those ones where it's, no, just leave the drawers in, tape them. Let's carry it. Yeah. And it was an odd, that the hall was oddly narrow, and it was a, a, a weird shape. Oh. We had to get a freaking mechanical engineer in to draw up a set of plans to get this sofa out that we had to get out. Oh, to get out my box spring, we kind of had to break it. We had to... Like, configure it just right because it wouldn't fit through the straightway little door. It's too big. So we had to figure it just right to get it over the banister. And now it's kind of wedged in there. And then I just had to, like, punch it. Yeah. And, and you wonder, how in the living world did I ever get the thing in here? Well, no, I remember <laughs> I had to punch it in there. <laughs> so I've been slipping on a broken box spring. It's not that broken. Just tore some of the fabric. Didn't but see, I don't, I don't like, I don't think it's as much the, the physical part of, you know, toting 
an item from one point to another. I don't think that's what bothers me mm. near as much as I don't like change. Right. Right. Oh, no. And I actually had my stuff together, but if you've kind of nested in a place, and especially if you've done it for several years, yeah. it can be miserable picking it because you realize, number one, I've got a bunch of stuff I don't use. So do I want to move it? Do I want to throw it out? Do I want to put it in storage? These sorts of questions. And you get into, well, and those those things, they, they get into more of the hoarding part of it because you're like, man, just I've, I've not seen this in 10 years. Just right. throw all this crap away. And then you pick something up and you go, oh, man, I can't throw I mean, that away. Yeah, but even though it's Come been on. 10 years, there's a reason I saved it. And I'm glad yeah. I saved it after 10 years. And I still have some stuff from when I was real young uh, that my mom saved that I've kept. I still, I did when I moved out. You know, I moved back to my parents' home when mom was real sick, and when I moved out of there after she passed, I did some cleaning, and I threw out all my damn participa- participation trophies. Oh my god! I had like ten of those things from baseball, and we always sucked. We never got near the playoffs. And also, I found it miserable because I wasn't well-known. The family wasn't well-known in the little leagues I played in. So I would always start at the bottom of the damn lineup. And then they would realize, oh, Joey's fast on this little diamond. Even if he hits it to, like, shortstop, he can beat out the throw. Like, And I would end up either leading off or batting, like, second. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, and we never had a successful team. And yet every year we had a stupid little trophy and so I, I threw those out. I, I, I never... I was before that era. We didn't get trophies unless we won something. Yeah. And I, like you, the story you just told, was pretty much on the same type team. Not not in not my, my high school now. We had... Hooper had, had a pretty successful basketball program. Yeah. And so we, we won things there we actually used to i remember going to lee scott there uh the private school in uh lee county over there uh right around right outside of auburn and i I remember going in their gym when we first the first time we played them and they had all these banners up for that they had won their division yeah uh you know they were area champions and this and that because they were two A and we were we were th- had been three A and we looked up and we laughed at them and made fun of them because <laughs> at Hooper there is nothing hanging in our gym except for state champions. If you don't right. if you don't win the state championship, you don't put a banner up. You don't put a banner. I think I think they had a banner up where they finished third in the state. It's like. Really? Yeah, but sometimes you do have to put lipstick on a pig. I think no, that's different no, than no, a, no, no, no. It's still a pig. That, it's still a pig. It's still a pig. But isn't that different than a participation trophy? Because uh, it's more like PR for the school no, as opposed to, like, let's make the young kids feel good for their effort. It's more like, ooh, we, we might not be state champions, but we have a good program here. Nah, no, no. I, I, I think I, it's different. I, I, I don't think it's the administration going... Ooh, we we feel offended that we're not being credited for our effort. It's more like, well, let's put a banner up because it looks good and it'll bring people in. I think it's more like that. Eh, maybe a little bit, but why would why? And and here 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 we go. All right, see, I th- I think, and I know you're not the the quote unquote 
millennial. Yeah, I you am, just made the most millennial statement of all time, though. Really? Yes. What is it? You what did. did I just say? Is well, I forget half. The you time. know, at least you accomplished something. So let's tout what you did accomplish. I don't think that's a millennial thing. I think that's a human thing. I know. I, I do. Spin. I, I, I think that has changed, though. That has changed, Joey. In in my lifetime, you you know, Trump. This is the one thing I love so much about Trump is. All these politicians and uh, people that run for office and all these things, they always want to talk about, I'm one of the common people. I'm yeah, one of the common yeah, people. Right. And and they're all multimillionaires. Right. You know, I mean, you, you can go from, just name anybody in Congress. Oh, yeah. They're a multimillionaire. But they're one of us. You know, they, oh, I live with you, and I was born on a farm, uh, and not to pick on anybody in particular, I was the 13th of 14 chill. My father was a sharecropper. You know, I grew up in, uh, in the uh, slums of Chicago. I mean, you name it. Right. They all... They want to connect. They want to portray that, yeah. but that's not what they are. Not at the moment. And the thing about Donald Trump is they said... They were using it as an attack on him, and they said, "Well, Mr. Trump, you're worth ten billion dollars. How do you, how can you even communicate with the common man?" Mm. And he said, "No, I'm not worth ten billion dollars. I'm worth sixteen billion dollars. <laughs> right. Get it right. <laughs> right. I'm a very rich man." Right. When they asked him, "Well, wh how much tax do you pay?" and he says, "I do my best not to pay any tax." He connected more with me in statements like that because you know what? Down deep, I'm not fascinated with money, but I want to be the most successful thing at what I do sure. as I can be. Excellency, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to just be excellent. I want to be better the than best. everybody See, else. I think that's a little different for me. I don't necessarily want to be like better than every other radio talk show host because I don't think that's I think number one that's very subjective like you know who's the best comedian who's the best guitar player like when you get into certain fields it's like yeah there are certain markers where you're like you're better than other people but I don't and we've had this conversation before I think it might leave you in a bad place if you're always comparing yourself to others good for better or for worse I think it's best to go ooh am I better than I was Yesterday, am I better? And you are constantly improving using yourself as the baseline. I think that's a healthier way of doing things. And now, some people might take what I just said and use it as an excuse for complacency and not pushing themselves. But And healthy competition does play a role. But it's one thing to respect the competition and go, oh, I need to step up my game. Somebody shows you that there's a better way. You're like, oh, I could emulate that. I could copy that and maybe do it better than them. But you're still, at the end of the day, can say, it's about am I going to get better? Not Because I don't think you're going to be happy, even if you are labeled the best at something, by going, oh, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that. Oh, those people are better than me. They have more stuff than me. I don't think that's the best way. Uh, I would rather focus on am I getting better and actually pushing myself to get better. I think you'll end up a happier person in that way. And, and I, I, think, I think you've got a very valid point. Uh, I, there are some fields that are different than other fields. 
uh, especially entertainment, yeah. talk radio, something like that, because it does somewhat come down to the 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 preference of the person who's taking in what yeah. you're putting out. Yeah. But when it's when it's facts, figures, and numbers, when you're playing a sport. I don't give a flying flip how <laughs> you learn math. Right. If my basketball team scores 100 points yeah. and your basketball team scores 99, even if they score 99, right. you know who wins? My team wins. I, I will agree Means, with you. I was a, I was about to say that. If it's, Especially if it's a sports competition, and I'll give you the one exception but in a second. But if it's a sporting competition, like you get to the Super Bowl, you lose. Like when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won their first Super Bowl, we got John Gruden. We still had all the players Tony Dungy had brought on. Uh, and who was it? Monty Kiffin was a defensive coordinator, brilliant defensive coordinator, brought a, got a hybrid cover two to the NFL. Genius defense. And you have a strong front four. You have talented backers that can cover the field, like Derek Brooks. You had Warren Sapp up front. We had Booger McFarlane, Anthony McFarlane. Some SEC names there, at least in Booger McFarlane's case. And they win. The Bucks win. You do not want to be the Oakland Raiders. It, if you are one of the Oakland Raiders when you lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... You have to say, this sucks. This makes me angry. This makes me depressed and sad. If you're the Cleveland Cavaliers and you lost 4 nothing in the finals this past year, LeBron James better be pissed. It's probably why he went to Los Angeles. Oh, exactly. He wants to win. And I think there are certain situations, if the name of the game is winning, you should want to win. It uh, reminds me of a wrestling reference. Is, is that not the, the game of life, though? Is the game of life not well, about winning? Game, uh, the game of life, I think, is multiple games. There are all sorts of different games you're playing. And so the idea is to be really good at a bunch of different games, but also know that I'm not going to be an Olympic athlete. Like, neither of us are going to be Olympians. Well, you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, it's a, it's a wrestling reference. One of my favorite wrestlers now taught me yoga, DDP. He was my favorite as a kid. My favorite's changed. He was talking to his idol who got him into the business. DDP got into the business late in life. He was like 30-something years old. And he had already all sorts of physical problems before he started. And he just went for it. He was like a club promoter or something. Very successful. And he thought, oh, he's talking to Dusty Rhodes. The American Dream. Yeah, and Dusty was Dallas's, Diamond Dallas Page uh, idol and mentor. They were friends. They talk on the phone. And he was kind of, because he started late, talking about his own expectations. That I would love to be a good mid-card guy or win the TV championship in WCW. And Dusty goes, what did you just say? What did you just say? You should want to be the world champion. I never want to hear those words come out of your mouth again unless you want to be the champion. Something to that effect. And so, yeah, there are certain lines of work where you should want to be the best. But... If Say you're an incredible method actor. You're a great actor. Who gives a damn if the Academy Awards don't give you the honors? Well, I, you know, it, it, it's different in different fields. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I completely get that. When it's something voted on, and I, I hate to bring right. his name up, but Bill Cosby never would accept any of those awards. Right. Because he said these are just folks voting on what they think I did. The People's Choice Award was the only award that 
Bill Cosby would accept because he yeah. said that's people actually voting. They're the audience. They're the ones that say yes. You're, you know, the funniest or, or you know what have you. Right. And uh, but what what I didn't finish about on on the the sports earlier, I got a little sidetracked. Is like you, I had the same experience of being on some really really sucky teams. Yeah, yeah. And we never got anything. The the per- the participation trophy that we got, and Lauren and I, I told you my wife was kind of fiery on the way in tonight. Yeah. We had a conversation. Sure. This is one thing she was fired up about. Our participation trophy was you get a jersey. And yeah. if you don't win, then that's all you got. Well, you, and the memories you, and the You lessons. showed up. That's yeah. right. And and it's a great learning experience. Our team this year, we won one softball game this year on our little softball team. Yeah. We were one in ten. We had a great time. The kids learned a lot. They grew and they got a lot better and we're proud of them. We told them we loved them, hugged every one of them at the last game. But they don't deserve a trophy. No. But you know what they're gonna get tomorrow night? They're gonna get to walk up on the stage just like the team that were the champions of the league won the whole thing. They're gonna get the exact damn same trophy. Mm. And that's the problem I have is yeah. no, you didn't. You didn't earn it, but that does not mean you can't earn it next year. The first year that we won the league, we won the league back years ago when I was a young fella. Yeah, when we when we won it, it really meant something. Yeah. When they handed us that daggum trophy, yeah. and we could pick the trophy. Now, since then, even the championship trophy, we've thrown it away. I, I have no clue where it is. <laughs> but at the time, it was, yes, right. we finally, after seven years. And the recognition really meant something. And we moment. finally won. We're the champions. Well, and here's the one exception, I think, to sport. Is, say, it still sucks. It still bites. Like, if you lose, say you're game seven of the NBA Finals, and somebody hits a last-second shot. And they beat you at the last second. You can walk away from something like that and go, yeah, this sucks, this bites. But I think if it is like two teams at their best, going toe-to-toe, that this could go either way, just depending on who hits it. There's clearly a winner, and they deserve the trophy. But you can occasionally look at the loser in a competition and go, that team performed to their very best. That was a nail-biter. If it had gone just one bounce a different way, they would be champions. And I think there is something to They don't deserve a trophy, but I think there's something to that. It's like with fighters. If like you had a great fight. Again, I love coming back to wrestling because of the psychology of it. Do you remember the double turn? Was it WrestleMania 13 with uh, Stone Cold and Bret the Hitman Hart? And but Stone Cold lost in such a way. It was an I quit match, and he gets color. He gets you know his head. Stone Cold gets his head busted open. He's bleeding down all his face. Bret Hart puts him in the sharpshooter, and Stone Cold doesn't say I quit. He passes out, and that's when he became known as the toughest sob in the business. And because Bret kept going and didn't know when to realize he had the guy down. People started seeing him as the bad guy. And because Stone Cold didn't quit, he just passed out. Against his will, he became this great, big, good guy that everybody could cheer for because he knew he was always just going to go his hardest. And I think there are moments like that in competition where somebody's technically the winner, but the way they win, you go, hmm, I don't like that guy. 
there's something about the, it's kind of like franchise teams. Like there are reasons I think people don't like the Yankees. And it's more than just, oh, you're a Mets fan or you're a Braves fan from the 90s. Because they get more money than God. They just buy a team. So sometimes people win. You go, I don't like the way they won. That was kind of icky. Yeah. Well, but I I think that, though, Joey, I think that really does. That translates into uh, business of any type. You you can be the best at what you do. But if you're an ass, people's still aren't going to like you, then they may not appreciate you, but when, I mean, when it comes down to nut-cutting time, if I want the best, I really don't like this lawyer, but, I mean, he's a jerk, he's done oh, yeah. some scummy things, but I want the best one defending me, so True. that's the one I want. Well, and the best surgeon, or, like, yeah, if it comes down, and sometimes I think people abuse that. If you are the best, and you know it, and you know people... Very intoxicating when you are the best, and you know that you're the best. People will accept you for that, so you can act any way you want. That's... that You shouldn't, I think, use that. I mean, it's up to you. I would agree 100% with you on that, because it is very intoxicating. Power, in any sense of the word, is very intoxicating. And when you abuse that... And you know you're the best, and you say, well, I can be a butthole because mm-hmm. they need me more than I need them. You know, it's, right. you know, well, it, and, it can cut both ways. Well, and also, this brings us back to what happened last week, uh, last Wednesday. It was the great marriage debate. And oh, it was yes. an epic, not only debate, but great conversation. And I want to make clear, it's a wonderful conversation. we did declare a winner, and I thought it was fiancé, especially with your help, the third man running in, a very important story. Well, sometimes you just have to come, you have to bust yeah. into the ring, yeah, you but, know, and grab the guy's but, foot and jank him down. I want to be clear, though, I'm, my rule with people, and it's not necessarily like the moral rule, my general rule how I interact with people, it's like, do whatever you want, just don't hurt people. So, like, if Brandon or anybody else out there listening has been burned by marriage or had their heart broken or they just look at the realities of how often people get divorced and they don't want to do it, okay, don't don't get married. Like, that's my general approach. It's like, I'm not saying that Brandon's wrong and he should get married. I'm saying that, well, at the end of the day, I still think the juice is worth the squeeze. I think the risks are worth the amazing benefits that you laid out so beautifully with the example of your parents. That if you do go the distance, even through thick and thin, the the good and the bad, I think it's worth it. But if if somebody doesn't want to take those risks, that's their own life. They can live how they wish. Yeah, and, and, you know, as far as it goes in, like, marriage in particular, I mean, especially... You are 100% right. If you have the attitude, and I would agree with you. I'm not saying Brandon's wrong. If right. he doesn't want to get married, then he should. He is the exact person that does not need to yep. get married. Exactly. He does not need to have a woman say, mm-mm, until you put a ring on it. No. Uh-uh. Well, and that if that's leads- your attitude going in... You're necessarily going to fail at some point. Well, and actually somebody asked if uh, he had a prenup, would it change his mind? He said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, and I think he's guarding against something. And it leads into the discussion we're having tonight. I think too many people in relationships, whether it's uh, romantic, just involvement, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, or you're actually married. I think sometimes people abuse their power. I've, I've heard it put, I can't remember what show it was from, like, you got the hand. That in that you got the upper hand, 
You know in the relationship you're the one who could walk away and not be as hurt. And and if you use that to your advantage, oh, you are asking for a world of trouble. I think it comes back on you. Karma, baby. And and really, you know, in general, I think you just hit hit on something. I've never thought about it that way. Exactly. That's a good thing. That's why there are so many single mothers, because in general, the man has the upper hand. If, if you just get all the way down to your 100%, even as far as income and what have you, the man can say, I'm leaving because... And it's more than just societal. It's an inborn, innate uh, desire that a woman has to raise their children. Look at the animal kingdom. Well, yeah, and then you occasionally, though, do get the, the women fem- who walk away. Hey, you do. I mean, occasionally you do. But in general, yeah. I can leave. You take care of the youngins. Yeah. What, you going to get my money? Okay, I'll quit my job and I'll work for cash. Get a lawyer to find out where I'm storing my money. I, I'm just look. No, I'm just being. I'm just, just being. You're throwing it out there. Serious. Yeah. Of what really happens, yeah. and and so is is it makes it easy to quit, and if you don't start something with I'm and even with sports, I'm not going to quit. We were doing something one night. And uh, or no, I, hell, I've got even a better story. We were sitting. Who's uh, we? You and your wife? It, no, this was. Uh, I'm going to to work. Uh, uh, a helper of mine. It's very talented, very skilled, good guy. He was a helper at the time. He's since become a mechanic. He's running his own truck and okay. doing his own service. We pulled a, had pulled a toilet and and the toilet was stopped up. And what had happened? Uh, the little. Uh, Things that hold the uh, toilet paper that's got the little spring yeah. thing, you know, the old ones that, that yeah. push in and pop out. Oh, yeah. Well, somebody had pulled it out and thrown it spring in the toilet. Shot. And, and, no, they had put it in the toilet and flushed it in the toilet. Oh, so the, the spring got all hung up in the trap that's what built in inside a toilet. Who would flush one of those things? This In a commercial building, there's no telling what you're going to find. So Lord. we had to, had to pull the toilet up. Uh, because the waste, the liquid would flow by fine. Toilet paper waste would get hung oh, up, no, and, and it would use always plunge it. So anyhow, so we turn it out, and it wouldn't just reach up in there and pull the thing out. It would not come out. And and he built a little toe, and and was up there, and he was trying to grab it, and he could pull it and get it almost close halfway. It this and that, and, and it just it just wouldn't come all the way out. And and finally, he says, "I quit. I give up." And uh, he said, you try it. And I got down there and did the same thing. And it probably took me about an hour and a half to get it out. And I finally yeah. figured out a way, and I, I grabbed a hold to it. And I'm not even a dang plumber. And I got the <laughs> thing pulled out. And he said, how'd you do that? And I looked at him, and I told him, I said, Daniel, I said, here's the one thing. If you're going to be a successful serviceman, you've got to be too stupid to quit. <laughs> and I said, I've never quit. And I'm not going to quit until I fix it or break it completely. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, he had every tool there. All I used was his tools. He had the tools. He just gave up. And mm. you cannot quit. You've well, got to be too stupid to quit. I think we're to touching win. on a lot of things. And when we come back from this break, I want to touch on how do you win? You brought up the game of life. How do you win that? 
Because I think oh, it's more complicated than a sporting event. Oh, no, event. that's easy. Winning the game of life? Oh, you think it's easy, huh? Oh, that is very simple. Okay, sure. Fair enough, Mr. Smarty Pants. Jeez, Benetti, I thought you had a good question for me. Oh, oh that's, that's a good question. Oh, I hope you have I a good question I thought you had a hard question. Then. How oh. dare you, sir? How I dare do. you? Again, the music theme is Funky Songs with Great Solos. This is Kiwi Maroon 5. Be right back. Joey Clark. Clark. Oh, welcome back. Yeah, and that's the name of the song, Lady Cab Driver, off 1984's 1999 by his royal badness, the Purple Yoda, Prince. And again, the theme is funky songs with crazy guitar solos. Now, this one's like five and a half, six minutes into the song, after some weird bridge where he's... Like, got women squealing in the background, and it's like, oh my goodness, what are you doing to that lady cab driver? And then it goes into this kind of crazy funk workout with weird sound effects. You can tell he's experimenting on this album. You know, 20-something-year-old dude. Is this the Lisa E stage? Or Sheila E? Sheila E, I mean. Uh, this is a as she's coming in. Okay. They knew each other since they were teenagers, but uh, she shows up on the next album, does Erotic City. Um, I, I, I was quite but he, a young is. fan. It comes out of nowhere. I just like this stuff. Well, I like the funky music, too. So is this how I how I win the game alive? Because I learn how to play a funky guitar and a face melting solo, and I have the adoration of women and men around the world. Very well, could be. That could be one way to win. Could be. Could I win by being like the world wrestling entertainments? Universal Champion. I don't think I could take Brock Lesnar, though. Not even in a kayfabe fight. I mean, could I, I could be a, that? I could win the NBA Finals. I could have the number one talk show in the nation. I'll beat Rush Limbaugh. Is that gonna? Am I gonna win the game of life that way? Possibly. Because I think when you ask how do you win the game of life, you're talking it's about several simple. different games. Okay, you no, say it's, it's simple. It's, it's not. It, it's it's one. Is one single word okay. is all that matters. Priorities. Oh. It depends on what your priorities is. But that's a good what, question. What do you want to be? Th- and think about. And I and I know. And and I hate to to just beat wrestling to death. You you remember? It's uh, a good example. The well, it, it is. I'm going to use it in a different way though. Uh, you remember the uh, 30 for 30 yeah, that Rick they Flair. did on the Nature Boy. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Uh, and 
he became the ve- he was he was the greatest. Yes. And I mean, you had I mean the names. I mean, you had the Hulk Hogan saying, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I was the king of WWF." Do match a, brother, I could do match B. I could do maybe do a match C, but Rick could do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. C. You know, he and, could go on and on. And he could he could he could both wrestle and entertain. He didn't have to be wrestling in order to entertain. He was the whole pack. Hogan was great. Yeah. Hogan had to be wrestling to entertain, though. Have you ever seen one of them daggone movies that he did? <laughs> they are terrible. <laughs> they are. Ric Flair could make movies. He could do anything. But he talks about the you know the broken relationships with all his wives and his children. And, yeah, the and, interviewer, to your point, the interviewer, for folks who haven't seen the 30 for 30, said, how long did you stay faithful to any of your wives? And he goes... Eh, maybe a day. And he's very honest. It's a tragic documentary, but it's also, to your point, he became the very best in his field. But to do that, and this is often the case with people who become the very best in their field, whether it's big business or sports entertainment or sports or whatever, is you usually end up sacrificing other parts of your life. And that's why I used the word. That's that's the the key to winning life is having the right priorities. And you're because you absolutely know, right. I, I I absolutely in in what I do, I can make a heck of a lot more money. Hmm. I could be a lot bigger company wise as as than I am right now. Hmm. I mean, I I, I could. I mean, if I, if I started advertising hard and, you know, it, I know the tools to do that. But my, my my passion is not about being the greatest at my job. I always, I still want to be the best. But that's not your number one priority. I want to be the best at what I do, but I don't want to be the biggest and greatest company of what performs the same right. service that I do. I'm more concerned about my relationships mm-hmm. and I think in that sense I'm I'm winning I, so, I, I create new ones I maintain old ones yeah. uh, I mend broken ones yeah. I've done pretty good at that not maybe, I'm, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but I'm I think I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty dang good son I'm a pretty good dad and I'm a pretty good husband no, and this seems obvious. Like, your answer is beautifully put in just a word. Priorities. Prioritize. Because I think there are a lot of people, myself included up until recently, of who would more spin. This is back to our point about spinning. And I don't think it's a millennial thing. The millennials have done it. I think spin is a human thing. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Where people will, instead of prioritizing, how can I make my life better, where I'm more fulfilled, they don't even ask themselves the question, what's my actual priority? They sort of let their passions and desires uh, pull them around by the nose, lead them by the nose. Yeah, yeah. Like a dog who catches a scent. Like, you know, instead you have to step back and go, hmm, too many people, and I will say, younger than me, my age, and sometimes you see people older than me like this, who haven't sat back and went, Hmm. What is my true priority? Is it to be rich? To be successful in business? To make a profit? Is it to be a good husband? Is it to be a good father? To be a good son? A good friend? Those are, I think, the most difficult. 
because you can't just set your priorities at like age 25 and, oh, it stays the same. No, I mean, new things come along. And you have to always be sort of doing an inventory oh, yeah. on how life's going. But I think those are the most interesting of I want to be the best father I can be. I want to. So let's take that nature boy, Ric Flair example. I don't think he was for a while the best husband, obviously. And in many ways, he wasn't always the best father. But then later in life, he did become a really good father yeah. to several mm-hmm. of his kids. And maybe the, each kid has a different point of view on that. He Obviously, I think he is in the running as probably the best professional wrestler of all time. Maybe not, not sure. the, maybe not the best in the ring. Maybe not the oh, best. He would, and that's what makes him but the best. But he's the best all-around player. Right. I think Shawn Michaels is the best in-ring performer ever. Sure, sure. But Shawn Michaels couldn't hold a candle to a Flair promo and to Ric Flair's swagger. He yeah. got close. Shawn Michaels was incredible. It's between him and Flair for me. Yeah. But here's the point is that Ric Flair made that choice. And if he looks back, and he actually, in that documentary, through tears, admits there's stuff he did that he wished he had not done. Yeah. He kind of, in a way, he... He had that one goal. His priority was to be the best professional wrestler ever, and everything else went by the wayside. Yeah. Until later in life when he kind of realized, I've got these kids. This is going away. Yeah. I can't jump off the top. There are physical limitations, and, and, that's what, and that's why it's so important. Relationships are the most important thing ever. Cause, you know, they, they always talk about, doesn't matter how rich you are, you can't take it with you. Old cliche. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. And but the only thing that you can leave behind is how you impacted, uh, you know, this planet. And it can be something grand, uh, like if you were a billionaire and and you built all these museums. I mean, Wenton Blunt. I mean, yeah. we've got the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, that that one of the greatest theaters in the United States, right here in little old Montgomery, redneck backwoods Montgomery. But he he chose to use his money to do that. You can leave your legacy that way, but you don't have to. What if you have four children and you raise them to be good, honest people and to care and love people? And when they grow up, all those have four children. You've yeah. just you've just gone from one or two people down to sixteen people. And if those 16 grow up and have four, now you've got 64 people out there that are loving other human beings, treating them the way that they want to be treated, living by the golden rule. And you're changing the world. It takes a lot longer. It's not as flamboyant. It's not as easy to see. But it's when that child goes into a classroom and that teacher says something or notices that, Baby, you don't look like you had anything to eat last night. You know, let me well, you know, let me it, give you a little extra, you know, money to to get you something to eat or or you know whatever it might be. Well, you know? and you're hitting on something pretty deep in the sense that you know all this talk of saving the world, making a difference. You can't you, do it. You, well, in one fell swoop, I think people want everything. They want the cake without baking it. It's like eating um, an elephant. You can't. It has to be one bite at a time. But what you're touching on is very important. Is that if you do help, whether it's through family or friends, if you there's a ripple effect. That if you, it's the whole point of it's a wonderful life. That without George Bailey, everything goes to crap. 
Yeah. Now, Pottersville looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> other than all the drunks who are mean. Yeah, I mean, all the all the other stuff looks like a lot of fun. Uh, but it reminds me of one of my favorite thinkers in history, Epicurus. Um, he said, friendship dances around the world, bidding us to awaken to the recognition of happiness. And he goes on to essentially say that most of what troubles us in life is not eternal. It's not going to be a long duration, like a pain you feel or some mental suffering that you're going through. And because most of those evils of pains in life are limited, that nothing enhances our security so much as friendship. And to your point of saying I develop my relationships, I think I agree with you completely. And it's something I actually need to work on um, because I do get in my own head. And there are days, well, but I'm honest with people too. It's like, mm-hmm. hey man, what's up? Like, I'm doing my own thing tonight. That's what's up. <laughs> Not doing anything tonight. And it's more the confidence, I think, when you see somebody else kind of wake up, or is somebody else is better than you, but they're not mean about it. They're like, you can be this good, or you can at least strive towards it. You can do it, man. Yeah. It's that uh, I've really learned it talking, that I don't want to come up here every night and do a monologue. I'd rather sit and have a conversation like we're having, because you get to bounce ideas off one another and really think these things through. And sort of be surprised by where a conversation leads. And it's where I find myself these days the most happy. It's not sitting watching a movie. Uh, well, sometimes sex, is, this is not as good as sex. I'll be blunt about that, too. It's I don't fault quiet. you for that, Joey. Yeah, <laughs> because that's another form of, you know, give and take. That's just pleasure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh Yeah. I would say that friendship is probably, if you want to win the game of life, it's one of the most important things. I, I'm, I ain't going to, no, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just fixing to say something. Well, no, I'm, and I'm I, I don't it. know how much I agree with him, but the same Epicurus guy, he is pretty down on, like, he says people who are romantically involved, uh, sex, generally, the love affair, is going to cause you, most of the time, a lot of pain and suffering. So, probably don't want to worry about it too much comes your way great but if you're beating yourself up because you don't, you're not in a relationship or you're not getting any you're just hurting yourself like let it go man relax because even if you get the girl if you're talking to a guy who's straight man i'm so cisgender heteronormative uh that you know why i talk in those ways because that's who i am sorry i'm not gonna apologize for my identity millennial oh my goodness I, I think that it can cause a lot of suffering, uh, that people get too caught up on that. And it's a, there's a great Rolling Stones song, Waiting on a Friend. Like, watching girls go passing by ain't the latest thing. I just need someone to talk to. I just need someone to help me forget. Like, he talks about how I, I'm not waiting on a lady. I'm just waiting on a friend. And I think there's something very important to that idea of friendship is much deeper than any sort of uh, fling, any sort of momentary pleasure. And the best and most successful marriages, to bring it back to that, are ones where the married couple, even if they're having difficult times and hate each other for a little while, there's a deeper friendship and bond uh, that sort of transcends, oh, the sex life isn't as good or the money life isn't as good. That you can count on a, a charitable friendship in the end, a confidence builder. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's I would go even beyond even a friendship is just as a partnership. Uh, and yeah, but I most don't know of your my, partnerships are probably friendship. Well, they are, but they're not always friendly. Well, fair enough. But like Penn and Teller, the great uh, magicians, the duo, they don't hang out outside of work when they're working on magic, but they're always doing magic. And it's a very business-like relationship, mm -hmm. but they're friends in that setting. They enjoy right, it. Right, yeah. I, I, that's why I say it is, yes, definitely, it has to be friendly. I mean, you can't not be, uh, it can't not be animosity all the time, but it, it, when you're just friends with someone, yeah. if every time, you know, if I came up here, I'm generally here about, what, once a week with you, and if I just came up here and argued with argued with you for an hour right you'd be like dude get well, lost you don't do that because we're not partners but when you're partners you know you can go like three weeks of just arguing well, but, but you're still also, a partner if if you're partners that means you're you're doing a common journey i think we do when we do a show but here's my point of view is when you argue with me because you're not arguing all the time it means that oh when this guy's arguing with me he's probably got something he really cares about so we and we have argued a little bit. Yeah. There. Well, and but when you do that, it's we like, disagree. Yeah. When we disagree we on much. say the topic of religion, it's it's not well in arguments. It should be different presentation of views, and you come to some understanding. I we're not having knockout dragouts where it's like point scoring. I see that all the time, especially in the political arena. It's not about understanding or presenting your ideas. It's about winning. Yeah. And that's where the winning right. goes wrong. Right, right, hundred percent. Like, ding, ding, it ding, doesn't ding, matter ding. how I win. I'm just gonna just win. win. I'm gonna make that. I know that I can't beat this guy on the abstract argument side. So I'm gonna appeal to people's emotion, and I'm gonna make him look like an idiot by twisting his words or twisting her words. Whatever. I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on. I don't. I don't really like it. I mean, sometimes it's fun to jump into the arena. Like, I saw somebody... Oh, and uh, occasionally it's fun just well, to piss well, somebody yeah. off. Well, I saw somebody on, uh, on on the Book of Faces say the rule of Facebook arguments, the person who wins is the person who wastes the other person's time the most. Yeah. The whole point of a Facebook argument is to waste the other person's time. I fortunately can say I've never gotten into one of those. Oh, I've gotten into a lot. I, I really, I really Oh, I can I care. thought I was winning and I was losing because I did care. I'm like, oh, I've got to fight for these ideas. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, they end up just saying mean things or stringent things or hard-headed things. And a lot of times you look like an idiot. It's with people that you don't even know or exactly. have never met. It's like, why do I want to care about what you're saying about me? Yeah. You know? Well, so. but then if life does get complicated if you're talking about the game of life. Sometimes it does come down to... Oh, this person's coming at me with a gun or a knife. It's like, well, to win life, I'm going to have to fight. I might have to beat them. Unfortunately, war is a reality through most of human history. Yeah. It doesn't come again in a massive way, but it usually does. Every time we start to think, oh, perpetual peace, it usually comes back. So that's why, you know, like this tweet that Trump sent out about Iran, I think war with Iran would be very, very stupid for all sorts of reasons. Not just the basic more reasons of being against war, but be very costly. And also, it wouldn't be exactly a cakewalk. 
Um, no. Just in terms of military. If you're just thinking not in terms of how many people would die unnecessarily, you're thinking in terms of can we achieve the military objective. Yeah, the United States military probably could, but at a very heavy cost. Yeah, no, I don't. We don't have stomach to actually wage and win war anymore. We don't have the stomach because the only way, if if you were to go to war at a with, with a country like Iran, the only way you're going to beat those people is to completely annihilate everybody. Which is and I'm sad. talking women, children. Which is sad because and that's what's crazy, and I think it's what Pompeo is Pompeo in particular is trying to do is. Uh, most of the Iranian population, especially the younger folks, they like the West. They like muscle cars. They like American and Western music. Yeah. It's the old timers running the show, the theocrats running that country that are, uh, well, they're holding those people hostage. And that's where the propaganda machines and the the undercover things go on and you're funding this rebel group to rise up and do mm-hmm. something and then what are we doing? We're interfering in other people's politics and, See, and how the much game does of a life, libertarian love that? 